When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. I'm Daniel Connolly here with Megan Gower, and UConn is six and three at the end of the first semester, having lost to Louisville on Sunday. It's the first time they've lost three games before the new year since the 2004 5 season. It's also the first time they've been outside the top 10 in the AP poll since the exact same year. And honestly, I think there's a lot of comparisons to that year, not directly, but that was the first year without Diana Taurasi for UConn. Now it's UConn trying to play without Paige Beckers and you got really similar rosters, lots of roster carryover, at least from those years. Similarities, obviously it, it's one season to the next from 04 to 05. This year it's all in one season, but I do see some similarities. Either way, how often do we talk about UConn having a losing record in any regard with anything? <laughs> UConn has a losing record over the last three games. That's nuts. That is crazy. But also, like, it's really not that unexpected. This is what should have been the expectation after Paige Beckers got hurt. This is more or less what I was thinking might happen. I thought they were probably going to lose to Louisville yesterday. I didn't think it was going to go the way it did. But still, just an interesting, intriguing, wild year continues down that same path. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like I said, I don't think it's that all that unexpected. I thought the Louisville game would be close. It was close. They didn't finish it off. That's unfortunate, but I don't know that it matters that much, basically. You would have liked to win the Louisville game. I don't think there's ever a game where you're like, oh, man, great loss for us. Really needed that. I mean, Gino, I think, has probably said that. I remember (laughs) the first year without Stewie, he had a quote that was like, we need a good old-fashioned ass cooking. Like, (laughs) we just need to get smacked by someone and set reality in a little bit. And he obviously never got that wish. The team the year after also needed the same thing. Yeah, you want to win that game. You had chances to win that game. It wasn't like any of the other two losses this year. And really going back probably to the 2019 final four in Tampa against Notre Dame. That's the last game that I can think of where it was like, man, UConn really, really, really could have won that game. Other than that, you look at the three games during the 2019, 20 season that they lost. And none of those were particularly close. You look at last year, Arkansas was a three-point game, but UConn didn't play well enough to deserve that. You go back to the Arizona game. UConn was never in that Arizona game, even though it never really got more than 10 points. South Carolina, yeah, was close. They pulled away at the end. Georgia Tech, same thing. UConn was close on Louisville, 
They just didn't make the plays they needed to down the stretch. Louisville did. That was the difference. But this is the first time I'm actively disappointed, feeling like not only was UConn's performance not there, the result also wasn't there. And that's the first time I can really feel like that's the case in a long time. Because it's one of those games where I felt like UConn deserved a little bit better than the result that they got, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like They were right there the whole time. I mean, they had like did collapse in the fourth quarter again, but nowhere near to the extent that we've seen that happen so far. And it was just kind of it was like right in reach and they just they just couldn't quite get it. And it's disappointing in that it felt like they were in the game the whole time and coming out with a win, I think, would have probably felt a little bit better about where they are. But I think at the same time, you're still looking at a team that a week ago was like barely functioning without pitch backers and against Georgia Tech didn't really look like a functional basketball team that's now hanging around to the final seconds with the number six or well now number three team in the country so I don't think there's a whole lot you have to be concerned about because they didn't win it or at least nothing new to be concerned about I think we saw the same problems yeah that's something I've kept coming back to is how many teams realistically can lose their best player their top backup point guard their most highly ranked freshman I don't know if she's their best freshman, which we'll get to in a second. And someone like Aubrey Griffin, I don't know what to actually call Aubrey Griffin. Really good player off the bench, I guess. And still be neck and neck with the number six team in the country, the number three team in the country. Do you play that game 10 times? I'd say Louisville probably wins six, Mm -hmm. maybe seven, but it's close. All of those are going to be close games, but UConn's definitely going to win some games. If UConn played South Carolina right now, maybe UConn would get one if South Carolina just didn't show up. Maybe. I don't even really know if I agree with what I'm saying with that, but just best case scenario, UConn could win one game against South Carolina right now. They're pretty much right in the range of everyone else. Yeah, they're number 11 in the polls now, but nothing in that Louisville game was anything that we didn't already know, except maybe Caroline Ducharm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they can be number 11 in the poll, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're a top 10 team and they're a top 10 team missing those four pieces. So as much as it sucks that they're now six and three in the season, I don't think they're in that bad of shape. It's all a process. And I think that's the really important thing is I think for a little while, we just have to get away from the results and we need to look at more of the performance and the eye test because We need to see incremental progress every single time out. It's not like one game UConn's going to go play and be perfect for 40 minutes. I mean, yeah, they could do that once, but I don't think that's realistically how this team's progression is going to pan out just because of how much they're trying to do. So maybe the incremental progress coming out of the Christmas break is you have one of Nico Mule and AZ Fudd back. And I think that would just be a really good check mark along with getting the win when you play Marquette on December 29th in 10 days. Or maybe that incremental progress is Kristen Williams just looks like herself a little more. She doesn't look like she's in this funk anymore. The same thing with Aaliyah Edwards. Just continue to build one step forward Try not to have many steps back. I really don't think there is anything in the Louisville game that I feel overly concerned about. I think a big part of the reason that Louisville had as good of a fourth quarter as they did 
And Gino alluded to this a little bit when he was talking about Caroline Ducharme. He said that she got a little tired in the fourth quarter and she wasn't as tight on some of their shooters as she should have been. But I think that kind of applies for the entire team. They obviously got tired in the fourth quarter. Louisville plays a press. UConn had three guards. There wasn't really a whole lot that UConn could do besides using their timeouts, which Gino did. He used pretty much, what was it, three of them by the midway through the third quarter. So he was making sure that his team stayed rested as best they could. They weren't pushing the pace too much. If you throw the result out, I don't think you can really look at the way UConn played and be overly frustrated. I think I think I actually misspoke when I said earlier, this is the first time that I'm not disappointed in both the result and the performance in a UConn loss. Not, I am disappointed in both. I'm not disappointed in the performance. I'm disappointed in the result. And I think those can be two separate things. So yeah. This is what we already knew about this team. Nothing's changed. Just continue building, continue making progress forward and get better each time out. And hopefully the rate of progress can start to speed up a little bit, especially as they get into Big East play. Yeah, I would agree. And I would say the rate of progress is already pretty fast. I mean, if you look at where they were literally a week and what, three days ago before that Louisville game at the Georgia Tech game to now, it's like worlds ahead of where they were so like yes some of the same issues are still reoccurring and those are the things that they've got to focus on fixing but they're still you know worlds ahead even from the UCLA game I would say like that second half against UCLA was good but playing a game like that against Louisville is very different than playing a game like that against UCLA the quality of competition in this game was just so much higher so yeah 100% okay we need to talk about Caroline Ducharme yes because <laughs> I remember Early in the game, I was watching her. I'm like, okay, she's she's playing well. She's doing the things that she does well. And then it almost felt like a tidal wave where it just started coming. And then it kept coming. And she just kept going and making plays and doing things when she had the ball in her hand. It felt like every single tweet I was throwing out there was about Caroline Ducharme. She was just so spectacular. 24 points, took 20 shots on the day, eight rebounds too. I think that was what was really impressive about her performance is not only was she scoring a lot and scoring when UConn needed her to, she was doing a lot on the offensive end with rebounds. She was doing a lot on the defensive end with rebounds. She was active on the glass, even if she wasn't getting the rebound herself, whether it be tapping it to someone else, just being a body in there to make it more difficult for Louisville to get it. She was playing pretty well on the defensive end and she was scoring in so many different ways. She was hitting threes, which is something that she struggled with a little bit. She was driving to the basket, something Gino's talked about a lot, and she was killing Louisville on the back cut. There were so many times she got the ball wide open under the basket. There's one point in the fourth quarter, I was sitting next to a friend of the show, Katie Barnes, and I said how UConn really needs a basket. They really needed a basket to stop a Louisville run, and Katie said, yeah, but who's going to get it? I was like, Caroline Ducharme, obviously. And then like 10 seconds later, she scored again. She was just so good, way better than what we've seen from her already. And she had already had some really good moments. So that was a huge step forward for her. She just has this it factor, this intangible quality about her that I love so much. There's just something about her that is so much fun to watch. I know when she signed, Gino talked about how versatile she can be and how she's the type of versatile guard that they got away from and wanted back that's really coming through and it's special to see that this early in her career. 
Yeah, for sure. She was just incredible, especially in the second half, but really all game. I think it's easy to point to the second half because she scored like 20 points just in the second half alone. But even when she's not scoring, I think the way she impacts the game, you talked about her rebounding. She was very active on the glass still in the first half, even when her shots weren't going down. She just knows where to be on the floor at all times. I think her basketball IQ is just well ahead of what you typically see from a freshman, which is part of why she's able to have the success that she had in that second half against a good team because she just she knows where she needs to be which is, is a big thing to have at that level and then of course she can just score in so many different ways which we saw in the in the second half there which was really incredible to see I think it's just it's really assuring to see her like have a performance like this this early on because no you're not going to count on a freshman to go do that every game or maybe they can count on her to do that every game we don't know yet but I think just having that as someone that can have the kind of breakout game and help you win is just one more piece that this team has, especially when we're, you know, we're going to be talking about the seniors not being consistent and things like that. Having someone like Caroline who's stepping up big time is going to be huge for this team. I remember the first time we talked to the players this season, way back in June, the term, I believe it was Kristen Williams used was that she's just really sneaky. And I remember that Gino said that, she would just beat players on the court and they'd walk away shaking their head, not even knowing how she did it. And now that we've seen that from her, I think that's just the perfect description of her. She's sneaky. You don't really know how she's beating you yet. She still just figures out a way to do it. There are a couple of times where she got the ball either on a fast break or at the perimeter. And she didn't particularly care that there were like three Louisville players in between her and the basket. She just drove and found a way to get it up on the rim. And most of the time, it went in. It was just so impressive from a freshman. And I'm really interested to see how she progresses from this and how much they can actually count on her going forward, because is it just going to continue coming in spurts or can she maybe get a little more consistent with it? Is there going to be a freshman wall at all with how much she's playing? She played all 40 minutes against Louisville. So these next few weeks are going to be really interesting. And then when players start coming back, you get AZ back, you get Nika Mule back. I don't think she's going to be playing 40 minutes anymore when those two return, but she's still going to get a lot of playing time. I don't think there's any concern that once those guys are back, she's going to go back to being at the end of the bench. No, she's absolute. She's proven more that she can do it at this level than AZ Fudd has, which is incredible. And I think would have been stunning to anyone at the beginning of the season. So it's just really exciting to see what she's doing, especially if you have the potential of AZ that we've barely even scratched the surface of seeing coming in coming weeks. Exactly. I think when you think about what she's able to do now and then you add in the fact that you are hopefully getting AZ back, which I feel like we just haven't seen what AZ can do at this point. I mean, Juno said that the foot injury has been bothering her. I'm sure that's part of it, but we just haven't seen it yet. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like as we go forward and then you get Nika back. So you have someone that's a more natural fit in that point guard role to help run the offense a little bit. I think it's going to be very interesting to see kind of how it all comes together between, you know, the three guards that they have right now, plus adding those two pieces back. If you could only pick one of the two, would you rather have AZ Fudd or Nika Mule back quicker? Which one do you think could make the bigger impact for this team right away? Because they desperately need some outside shooting. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> which AZ FUD could provide as we saw against was it USF, right? Mm-hmm. Or but they also really need a true point guard, which is what Nika Mule is. So 
Would the overall offense be better with one of them with one or the other? Obviously they could be back at the same time, but for the sake of the podcast, which one would you rather have back first? I think I would go with AZ. I feel like the outside shooting need is just higher. Like they just can't hit a three to save themselves right now. And I think that's something that kind of like, if they had something like that in that Louisville game, like if they had someone that could have knocked out a couple threes, I think the result would have been different. And then I just also think like Nika is obviously the best answer they're going to have as a true point guard right now, but with the way they're struggling offensively, how, like, how much time can you give her on the floor when she, if she's not going to score consistently, I think they kind of need people on the floor that can consistently put the ball through the hoop. And if you're already not getting that from Avina or from Kristen, then how much time can you, you know, give someone else that is not going to be a consistent scorer as well. That's fair. But I'm thinking with Nika that they've really, I mean, especially yesterday, they didn't pass the ball very well. They didn't have any assists for a while in that game. I don't remember what the exact point was, but I remember looking at the stats and wondering if there was a mistake made because they had zero assists. (laughs) I want to say on like 11 baskets, it had gotten that far where they had no assists and with how stagnated and bad the half court offense can be and with how many turnovers that Avina Westbrook had against Louisville I really think Nika could just be more of a calming influence on the offense and could get everyone back in their normal positions and maybe that would help get things a little more settled and flowing and it could just be one of those things where a rising tide lifts all boats where you have Nika back everything falls into place a little bit more. I think both of them are really important though. As Gino said a bunch, it would be one thing if you just lost Paige. They have a lot of players that can kind of fill in for her. But when you have your top passing replacement gone and your top shooting replacement gone and your top playmaking option in uh, AZ, potentially one of your top playmaking options that just makes it so much harder. So it seems like both are on the right track from their injuries. We don't really have a timeline. It's I, he said that they're both going to be reevaluated after Christmas. I don't know if that means they're going to be ready to play against Marquette. I don't know if they're going to be fitness wise, ready to play against Marquette. I don't know what they've been able to do. We literally just don't know. So that would be really huge if they could just get them back in some capacity. I mean, you can have AZ come out and just stand at the three point line for 10 (laughs) minutes a game and get shots up. That's still very, very valuable. Or if you just have Nika bring the ball up and take that pressure off the other, other guards, or even if she can just come in and spell them for 10 minutes a game and give them a little more rest, that's valuable too. So they can get one of those two back at least ideally both, but at least one of them that makes life so, so much easier. Yeah, exactly. I think the rest is a key part too. Like you said, when we talked about the fourth quarter quarter against Louisville, like the guards were just so tired that they were, you know, not maybe as tight on some of those shooters. If you just get a few minutes of break because you now have those two pieces back, even if that's all they can offer for the first couple of games back, like that's already a huge step forward for this team. Yeah. They just, I'm just getting worried that you're running these guards so much. Yeah. Two guards already have overuse injuries. Well, I, Gino called them stress reactions. I normally associate with that with overuse injuries. So I don't know for sure that it's that it seems like it's that hopefully these heavy minutes aren't 
too much on these guards. It does help that they haven't played many games. It's only been three games that they've been without Paige, and they're about to have 10 days off. So hopefully that won't be too much of a factor, but with the Big East schedule and a more typical cadence of games coming the end of December and early January, you got to get one of them back. Speaking of the guards, Caroline Ducharme was awesome. Avina Westbrook and Kristen Williams were not against Louisville. Avina had five turnovers, a really rough day. Kristen was actually one of the three players that reached double figures. But again, when we're talking about Kristen, we're going with looks and it was just off with her. She was invisible for large stretches. She didn't even take a three pointer. She had a couple long twos that ended up getting counted as threes. She is in a funk though. I'm not as worried about Avina Westbrook. This is just kind of who Avina Westbrook has been this season. She's been up and down. I don't really know how much you can rely on her to be a consistent scorer or consistent anything. So I don't really have much of a problem with Avina Westbrook's performance, but Kristen Williams, they got to find her a way out of this slump that she's in. Maybe it's the Christmas break. Maybe it's playing fewer minutes and having to watch from the bench a little bit. I don't know what it is, but she's in a really bad spot right now. And maybe it's just the recency bias, but maybe it's not as prolonged as the drought that she was in her sophomore year or at times during her junior year, but it really feels like she might be deeper in a hole this time than she's been before. Yeah. I thought against Louisville, she came out well, like the first quarter, I thought she played well. And then it kind of just felt like she disappeared for the rest of the game, which is just not what you kind of needed in the game at all and I think it's kind of been this consistent thing now like she she'll have a stretch in the game that's good but overall it's just not been great and I think they're kind of at a point where UConn needs her to be great without Paige UConn really needs her to be playing at the level that you know she can play that player that we got in the postseason last year I don't know how she gets back to that but if they could get that from her like that's what they need they need that and they need that consistently I feel like even on the defensive end, we're not seeing it because a part of that, what happened in the postseason last year was she kind of took a step back, stopped focusing so much on impacting the game just by scoring and was making the impact on the defensive end and then the scoring kind of came. And I don't really think we're even seeing it on the defensive end at this point. So it's kind of just like, I don't know, she just seems, she's probably in her head and that's a lot of what it is, but it just doesn't seem as like locked in as she needs to be. No, definitely not. I think I said a few episodes ago that there's going to come a point where I feel like personally, I'm going to say, okay, this is Kristen Williams. She's not going to get to that level consistently that we saw in the NCAA tournament that we think that she can get to. I'm not saying that I'm at that point right now, but I think three games after the Christmas break, if she hasn't figured it out by that point, can we really expect her to be a force going forward? I think I'd really start jumping on that, jumping, not that I'm on the Kristen Williams bandwagon right now, but I think my perspective of her would just really change because I still believe that she can reach the level that she needs to every single game and be a really good player for this team. But the longer that it goes without her doing that, the longer that she has these invisible stretches throughout games where UConn needs someone to step up and it's not Kristen Williams. You go back to the UCLA game. They needed someone. It was Avina Westbrook in the first quarter, Ducharme in the second quarter, Uhas in the third quarter. Yesterday, it was Uhas and Ducharme again. It's not been Kristen Williams. It hasn't been Kristen Williams since the Minnesota game. 
it's just getting more and more concerning. I really, really getting towards the end of my rope in my belief with her and it's starting to run out. So until she starts doing something that really makes my change, really makes me change my mind. I don't know. I might, I might have to finally call it. Yeah. I don't know. We just like, like you said, we haven't really seen anything great from her since the Minnesota game. I'll give her that she had like a decent game against Seton hall, but it's just, she's really been struggling and I don't know. Yeah. I feel like you give her the Custis break. Hopefully it's just, she's in her head and she needs the time to reset and that does it. But if we don't start to see like the Kristen Williams we saw in the postseason after the Christmas break, when, I mean, UConn needs it the most right now. I just, I don't know that they can count on getting that come March as well. Yeah. It's, it's a very tough spot. Luckily it's not like everything is a regression for everyone on the team. Obviously the senior guards weren't very good, but Ducharme was really good. And as I just mentioned, Dorka Juhas had another really solid game, 15 points, eight rebounds. I believe she's just consistently helping UConn in whatever she needs to. She almost feels like the Avina Westbrook of the post at this point. I know she had solid numbers in terms of both rebounds and points, but she's just playing well and she's contributing. And even if you threw out the stat sheet, you'd still say that she had a really good game. I really feel like she's turned a corner here. It's two good games in a row. It's what we've seen from her in the preseason. It's what everyone on the team has said she's capable of. If she's past those jitters and the push to be perfect every single time and isn't trying to do too much, I don't see any reason this can't be Dorka Juhas every single night. She was a two-time All-Big Ten player for a reason. I don't think this is just her suddenly coming out of nowhere to be a good player. This is who she is. And I really feel like this is almost the baseline for her and it should be either this or something better every single night for her. Yeah, I agree. I think what we're seeing is not an anomaly. There's a reason that Gina recruited her and there's a reason that she was so good at Ohio State. So I don't see any reason why they can't get this from her night in and night out. One thing that stuck out to me too is I think that her and Olivia Nelson-Odota have played very well together together on the floor which I think is huge for this team because I think you also want Olivia on the floor I think what she does on the defensive end even when she's not having a great night offensively is really hard to uh, replace so I think having her on the floor a lot is important as well so seeing the two of them play well side by side together I think it's actually very much helped UConn's rebounding because we've seen it a lot more in these last three games and their offensive rebound numbers are are much better aside from the Georgia Tech game which I'm just going to ignore like it hasn't happened for most things because I just don't think it points to where this team is. Um, I think their offensive rebound numbers have gotten better. We're seeing improvement on the glass. It's still, I don't think on the defensive end, there's still work to do, but I think it's getting better. And I think a big part of that is the two of them on the floor and playing well together. We probably don't put enough of a focus on the front court and how they can be helping this team, but I feel like they've been a little underwhelming in this post page time i mean i guess aside from the ucla game it's not a very big sample size realistically but with the way that Aaliyah edwards has been disappointing this year and i mean i guess you're getting what you're getting from olivia nelson adota i don't really think there's a whole lot to complain about her performance but if this can be a consistent thing for dorka uhas and Liv can maybe get back closer to the level that she was at notre dame and then Aaliyah Edwards can become more of her old self. 
this could very quickly become more of a post-centric team, which I think it's been a long time since that has happened. But it's definitely a possibility. I mean, this something needs to break without Paige Beckers. And if they can't hit the three ball very well, then it really just comes down to the bigs having to bully down in the post. And there were a couple times, there was one sequence, I think it was late in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken, where it was like three straight passes into the post for UConn to either two or three different players. And they just ran over Louisville going to the basket. And Louisville was packing the paint. So it wasn't like it was just an easy thing against the five foot seven Haley Van Lith. I think they need to be a little bit better, but the Dorker emergence is pretty promising. So you've got one box checked off. Now you need to start working on getting it into being more of a complete performance instead of just one person showing up every single night. Yep, exactly. And I remember that sequence that you're talking about. And I think it was all three of them. I think I don't remember what order, but I think like the first one was Dorka, then it was Liv, and then it was Aaliyah or some order like that. But it was like back to back to back possessions. They just pounded it inside three times and came out with six points. They started the game off kind of like that too. There was a big in one for Nelson Dota at the beginning and then for Dorka Yuhas at the beginning. And the kind of a, the, when they went on that stretch to open up the first quarter where they kind of really ran all over Louisville to start off the game. And then I think part of, they lost that in the second quarter with Liv on the bench and foul trouble, but they were really able to have some success in the paint in spurts yesterday. And I think if you start, like you said, Dorky, you has been consistent. If you can get a little bit more consistency out of Olivia, get, like you said, what you saw against Notre Dame and then just get Ali Edwards to be, you know, some semblance. There was also, we saw a couple of plays that looked like what we used to see from her against Louisville. So just trying to get that with a little bit more consistency against most teams in this country, with the three of them on the floor, if they can get just a little bit more from Olivia and more from Malia, they're going to be able to pack in in the paint and win that way. It's pretty crazy to think that of the three seniors, Olivia Nelson Adota has been the most consistent. <laughs> I yeah, don't think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think many people saw that one coming and I don't think she's had many high highs. I mean, she played pretty well in the Notre Dame game. I still don't think that was the absolute peak of what she's capable of, but she also hasn't had one of those Baylor or Arkansas or Arizona performances where she's actively harming the team. She didn't play well against Louisville, but realistically she wasn't hurting the team when she was out there UConn was probably playing better when she was out there even if her numbers weren't all that great so I think that's a really big step in Olivia Nelson Adota's game yeah I guess you could have hoped that this came last year and she could have taken a bigger step now but I think you just got to take what you can get with her and if she just can be a little higher than the level that she's been maintaining a little bit of a higher watermark then I think we're really starting to cook with gas in this post, especially like you mentioned, they're going to dominate a lot of these big East teams mm-hmm. in the post. If you can just be bullies inside, that takes a lot of pressure off the three point shooters. That takes a lot of pressure off the defense. That takes a lot of pressure off the half court offense. It makes life a lot easier and it really helps you negate having so few guards right now. And so few guards for who knows how long it's going to be. So I think, that's going to be a really big key in the second half. What does the front court do? What does Aaliyah Edwards do? Can Olivia Nelson Adota raise her game just a little bit? I really don't think she needs to be all that much better to be a significantly bigger contributor to this team. 
And then can Dorka Juhas just maintain this level? I think where she is, is a really good spot for her, especially with everyone else going. As we talk about all the time with this team, there's a lot of exciting potential, but I think the front court is the closest to actually reaching their ceiling right now. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, as much as I think Olivia needs to be a little bit better, like I do want to say like she has been really good. I think on the defensive end, she's been like very, very solid. It's, there's a little bit to be desired. Like, can she score a little bit more points with Paige being out and you kind of just needing people to pick up some more of the scoring load? But I mean, defensively, I think the stat is pretty much just sums it up. But the, UConn's defensive rating is 24 points better when she's on the floor than it is when she's off her actually her net rating is better like with her on the floor their net rating is better with her on the floor than when she's off than compared to any other players like it's just significant her what she does on the defensive end and it's not just what she does but it's just the way she just changes the game by being on the floor it changes how people teams go into the post that they alter their shots they take more threes there's just a lot of ways that she changes the game just by being on the floor. And then what she does defensively on top of that just adds to it. Not that I think it's unfair to look at players through what they've done in their past, but I think if you took out the fact that Liv was what the number three player out of high school or the number five player, somewhere very high that, yeah. Yeah. That Charlie Collier, the one that they wanted was the number one pick in the WNBA draft that she's historically been extremely inconsistent Olivia Nelson Adota has been a fantastic player for this team. And I think it's a little tough too, when you see the way that Aaliyah Boston is and how dominant she is and how many points she scores every single night, but that's like trying to compare, I don't know who, who who's a good comp in the country to Olivia, to a, Aaliyah Boston, the way that Paige Beckers is to X, like the way Crystal Dangerfield was to Paige Beckers. Obviously, Paige Beckers is a much better player, but Crystal was still really good. Crystal was a very good point guard for this program. Just because she's not as good as Paige Beckers doesn't mean she wasn't really good. Just because Olivia Nelson Adota isn't as good as Aaliyah Boston, isn't as dominant, that doesn't mean that Olivia Nelson Adota is not really good, isn't really important. I don't think she's really gotten enough credit for what she's done this season, how consistent she's been and how much she's helped the team, even when she's not having a great individual night. Yeah, exactly. I think that's important. And I think, you know, her impact doesn't always show up in the stat sheet just because like, just because she didn't have a double double doesn't mean she didn't have a good game. And I think that's important too. Like her one staying on the floor, staying out of foul trouble just alters the game a lot for UConn, but just like the intangible things that she does on defense are such a big part of what makes her such a big asset to this team. And that's not always going to show up in the box score. If you had to name an MVP from this first part of the season, and I don't think you can, I'm, I'm going to say that you can't pick Paige Beckers because she's been injured and hasn't played. Has to be someone currently healthy. Would it be Olivia Nelson Adota or would you pick someone else? I think it would have to be Olivia. When you look at, you know, their big games, South Carolina, the only reason they were even in that to begin with, I mean, they just still broke down in the fourth quarter, but Liv was a huge reason why they were in that. The defense that she played in the first half of that game was probably the best half of basketball that she's played in her career at UConn. South Florida, she didn't have as much big big impact, but I mean, she's basically the reason they won the Notre Dame game as well. So I think, you know, when you look at their biggest wins, she's been a big part of that. And I think you just really can't say enough about what she does on the defensive end really why this team isn't struggling more than they already are is because they've been able to get it done defensively. Their offense 
has even with Paige has had his issues, but defensively they're kind of making up for that. So I think her impact on that end of the floor is just really helping this team. I really don't think I've taken enough of victory lap about Olivia Nelson and Dota. <laughs> I don't actually think I've been as obnoxious as I should be saying that I told you so with Olivia Nelson and Dota. In fairness, I did also make the prediction that she was going to be an All-American. She won't be. <laughs> That's fine, though. She's been yeah. really good this season. I told you she was going to be really good this season. I would just like that on record. I'm going to brag about it for a little bit. I've, I died on the Olivia Nelson and Dota Hill this summer. I took a million arrows. I took 50 headshots defending her. I feel very vindicated. <laughs> that makes me think that was the last time UConn didn't have an all American. Because I think that is in play for the season. I want to say it was definitely during the dark ages. Was it Renee Montgomery's freshman year? I, I, I can look it up if you uh, can feel some <laughs> of this dead air. <laughs> but well, yeah, I just, I do think that's in play this season. And I don't think it means that like they're in a dark age and they're not going to be in contention to win a national championship this year by any means. But Paige just is not going to play enough minutes to be an All-American this season. And she's still an All-American caliber player. So ultimately it doesn't really matter. But I think it's a very uphill battle for anyone on this team to be considered an All-American this year so far. Okay. So the last time they didn't have someone on the first team was 2013. Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis was only a second teamer and Stephanie Dolson was only a third teamer. The last time they didn't have, I don't know if I mentioned that was the AP poll or the AP All-Americans. The last time they didn't have an AP All-American to begin with, I was correct. That was Dark Ages. It was the 2006-2007 season. So they didn't have one in 04. No, I'm sorry. They didn't have one in 05, 06, or 07. And then Maya Moore finally broke that when she was a first-team selection her freshman year. For the WBCA, which is how they decide who is on the Huskies of Honor, it has been since same year, 2007. So. Yeah, lots of similarities right now between now and the Dark Ages. The potential yeah. of this team is way higher than any of those, though. So I think, like I said, just keep building. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. actually know. I always know feel like it's not a fair comparison because you're going to get Paige back eventually. Right, right, right. <laughs> For sure. But those are the most comparable teams right, to where they right. are right now. Definitely. I don't even know who could be an All American. Dorka, maybe, if she. Can, if she's averaging 15 points and 10 rebounds a game, is that enough to be a second team, third team All-American? It's got to be, right? Yeah, I think it could be. It's going to be, yeah, which she very well could as we move into Biggie's play. There's no reason she's not just going to like bully all of these teams. So I think she'd probably be the most likely candidate. I still think like she's got to start doing that consistently every game now, though, to get there. And I don't know if that's going to get her there. It's also worth remembering that Olivia Nelson Adoto is an honorable mention All-American two years in a row, I believe. Yeah. With <laughs> like I, I guess her numbers were good because she dominated the Big East, but fairly pedestrian seasons. So I feel like the bar is not really that high for big from UConn to get that. So if Dorka can continue playing at the level that she's at now and she has dug herself a bit of a hole, just not having a great first seven games. It's got to be one of the bigs, though. I just can't see Kristen Williams recovering enough in order to get it, or Vina Westbrook being consistent enough. I mean, 
maybe we can get wild and say that one of Caroline or AZ is going <laughs> to do it, but I think that's really, really pushing the envelope there. So it's going to be one of the bigs if it's anyone, I think. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Uh, unless Kristen came out of Christmas and like just all of a sudden starts being that player we know she can be, I think, I mean, her number, despite the fact that like we're down at her performances, her norm- her numbers aren't terrible. She's still averaging close to 14 a game. Like, so despite the fact that she hasn't really done anything impressive, her numbers don't, won't take as long to recover if she was to come out of that break and like really just go off. I just don't know that I see that happening. That's fair. Is there any possibility that Paige could be an All-American though? I'm trying to think. She, yeah, realistically, she at best would play two months of the season. I mean, there would be an insurrection if if she did. I mean, people would lose their minds. It doesn't really matter. She's still one of the best. She is still the best player in the country, but, you know, people will throw a full-on fit if that happens. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be curious. I don't know the rest of the country well enough, but if there's no other obvious guards that are standing out and Paige comes back in, let's just say the best case scenario, the eight weeks she's back for that. I think it's Villanova game in the Mm -hmm. middle of that week and is average continues averaging 20 points a game and the team's playing really well. And they are just rolling through everyone into the NCAA tournament. Then I don't know, maybe she sneaks onto the third team of the, uh, the AP or something. I don't know. I'm not expecting it, but is there a level that she could be so good in the month that she's back that you can't ignore? I don't know. Or is there like a minimum number of games even required to nominate someone that could be too. I have no idea. Yeah. I actually have no idea if there is a requirement or not, but I just think, I don't think it'll happen. She could come back and average 30 a game, and I still don't think it would happen. I don't know. If she came back and started averaging 30 points a game, I think it would be hard not to put her as, like, a third team. Definitely not first team, but, like, I don't know. Like, that, uh, we're getting very deep into hypotheticals here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If she, Again, honestly, I, if I, she comes back and she has to start averaging 30 a game, things have gone very terribly between now and February. <laughs> That or they're scoring 150 points a game. Yeah, exactly. One or the other. <laughs> no, I think there's still a way that she could come back and still be. I take that back. I think. I just don't think it's happening. Well, not, I'm at the 20 fact points that a maybe game, she should 30, because she is going to be one of the best players in the country. Like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> there's no. Well, if the team's playing well enough, that means that she's going to be passing the ball a lot. Which we kind of saw, was it Minnesota? Yeah, she had like eight points against Minnesota, but she still played really well. I don't think you would say, oh, Paige didn't really show up. So, yeah, if things are cooking by then and you're plugging her in, yeah, twenty even 20 points I think might start pushing it. I don't know. It will be interesting to see if that streak ends, though. I, I think we're going to see a lot of things come to an end this year in terms of these streaks, whether it be the loot, the not losing to a ranked team, unranked team since 2012 the most losses since 0405 being outside the top 10 for the first time since 0405 i still don't think they have back-to-back losses there's no one really that just kind of backs up against each other it's not like they play oregon and then go down to south carolina it's not like they go from south carolina to tennessee after oregon they play seton hall i they shouldn't have any trouble that with seton hall. Game. that's another really good opportunity for them to get a win assuming that Oregon looks different than they do right now 
Oregon is basically in the same spot yeah. as UConn. In a worse spot than UConn, though, and that I don't even know that they look like a top twenty-five team right now. Okay, that's fair. But <laughs> well, I mean, if you go by preseason expectations, Oregon was a mid-top twenty-five team, and now yeah. they're not a top twenty-five True. team. And UConn was a top two team, right? Were they number yeah. two or number three? They were two. That's right. Now they're I don't know is number eleven a mid-top twenty-five team? I guess. Sure. Yeah. So. You're kind of in similar spots, even though UConn's floor is higher. But yeah. after South Carolina, you play Providence. They're not losing to Providence. You could start five walk-ons, and you're not losing to Providence. And then after Tennessee is Villanova. I, I guess maybe Villanova might be tough, but I, I still don't think they're going to lose a conference game, even if they had didn't have Paige for the entire season. So, yeah, yeah they're not I losing think, a conference game, I don't think. And if they do lose one as DePaul, they're not losing to anyone else. Right, and DePaul still doesn't really ever scare me. UConn hasn't figured out. Well, they're freshmen. They have good for DePaul has a really good freshman, and she's got some size. It's a little bit different DePaul team. Okay, it's gonna be interesting. We'll I didn't get there. Actually, know that we get there, so. but <laughs> right. yeah, they have what actually looks like probably the best freshman in the country on paper so far. Wow, good for DePaul. Good for Doug Bruno. <laughs> it would be really nice if UConn had a, another top twenty-five team in the Big East that wasn't just DePaul's usual thing where yeah I, I do think this DePaul team is a little bit more interesting so while it's still not like a you know a Louisville caliber win I think their chance if they can pull off two wins over DePaul and maybe even three with the Big East tournament that will help build their resume a little bit for March yeah well speaking of which they are running out of opportunities to do so Louisville really would have helped them I feel very bad for the one of the two seeds that are going to get stuck with UConn and Bridgeport. <laughs> yep. I'm, not, I'm not sold that they're going to be a three seed yet. I think it's going to be very interesting to watch how the next few months go. I think what UConn's in trouble with is that their opportunities to pick up big wins are getting limited. Like I said, they've got the Paul games. They've got that Oregon game, which Oregon also needs to be better for that to be worth anything. And then they have Tennessee, which is going to be a hard game. And South Carolina, which just feels like a kind of a long shot, I would say. So their chances are a little bit limited. I think what's going to work in their favor is if they take care of business and just run the table in the Big East and don't collect losses. The way things have been going so far amongst the rest of the top 10 is everyone's already got a couple losses or hasn't played at anyone. So the chances that these other teams are going to pick up a loss or two in conference play that maybe they shouldn't, or like a game they shouldn't lose is I think pretty high, which could work in UConn's favor if all these teams start having four, five, six losses when you're comparing them. Not to look too far ahead to that South Carolina game, but I don't know, it's probably been 30 years since UConn had a moral victory, right? Mm-hmm. I think that could actually be a moral victory game where if you just come out and play well against South Carolina and give them a little bit of ch- a challenge. And even if you lose by like 20, who cares? You have no expectation of beating South Carolina in that game, unless something drastically changes between now and then. Right. But just go in there and see what you can do and give it your best shot. Play South Carolina the way that team should be playing UConn. Go in there. Don't be scared. And just whatever happens, happens. Could be the first time UConn has a moral victory in a long time, if they earn it. 
Yeah. And in some degree, well, granted, things could be very different like that. I think some of the pressure is off because you're just not expected to win that game. Like going into like you look at the one in Bahamas, it's like it's the one versus two matchup. Like it's supposed to be close. It's supposed to, you know, you're supposed to try to go in, in there and upset them or whatever, where you a lot of that pressure is going to be off going into this game in January. As I think I said, every single episode since Paige got hurt. It's going to be a very, very interesting next few weeks. First, we have Christmas, though. Megan, what is the best UConn-related Christmas present you've ever gotten? Oh, um, good question. I completely threw you on the spot on this one. Yeah, I, I know. Realize. I'm I just trying to make UConn-related Christmas presents that I've gotten. <laughs> I bought actually... myself a Christmas present a few years ago. I don't know if this counts, and I have yet to finish it, so it doesn't really count. But they had, like, a Lego – it's, like, fake Legos, though, like, version of Gamble Pavilion. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think, But it's, like, fake Legos, and I find it annoying because they don't, like, sort the pieces for you and stuff, and you have to dig through the thousands of pieces, so I've yet to actually finish it. <laughs> what even are fake Legos? I don't It's just, like, off-brand Legos. Like, the pieces uh... are very small and hard to sort. Like, because when you buy, like, a real Lego set, right? I, I love Legos. I have adult Lego sets, whatever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um... <laughs> But they, like, you know, everything's, like, sorted into, like, packs of what you're supposed to work on at once, and you don't have to dig through 2,000 pieces to find the piece you're looking for. Okay, I did not know that. I've never made a Lego (laughs) set. That's very cool, though. That's a good one. Mine's, I think, very basic, but I have this, like, quarter zip, Yukon quarter zip that I wear all the time. I love it. I'm a huge quarter zip fan. Love them. I have, like, one of every different color, so one for every different outfit I'm planning to wear and I can mix and match it with my hats. Oh, love it. Absolutely love it. I think that's probably my favorite. My other favorites would be like American Eagle used to have like, a, well, they still do have like a fan clothing line, but UConn used to be a part of it. And I think between my friends, I've like literally gathered every piece of that collection, but then they just continued it. And I'm still sad about it because there's just not a lot of places that make good women's sports apparel. <laughs> oh, that's fair million dollar idea right there (laughs) i think isn't aaron andrews doing something like that i think i saw an ad for that during the patriots game on saturday i'll have to look because sometimes and hopefully hers is good sometimes when they like make women's sports apparel everything is covered in glitter and that's not actually. i was just gonna say lots of sequins yeah and no one actually wants that they just want things that look normal that are not cut (laughs) like a normal oversized (laughs) t-shirt right right those are not appealing to women sports fans those are appealing to women who want a shirt that says something like that yeah (laughs) that's fair Hmm. interesting i think this is the first year in a while i actually for the life of me can't remember what i one gave anyone or two got last year for christmas so that's not very helpful but i think this is the first year in a while that i haven't gotten anyone yukon stuff i don't think yeah, Not that I, I can think of. I might have. It, it is a very easy fallback, though, if you really need something for someone. It's always <laughs> it's always available Fair for those certain know. friends. On that note, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I'm taking time off, so I don't actually know if we'll have an episode before the Marquette and DePaul games. If not, Happy New Year as well. You can follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel V. Connolly. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Tell a friend, 
Join the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. Read the UConn blog. Megan, send us into the holiday. Happy holidays, everyone, and hopefully UConn's a little healthier when we get to 2022.